this morning? Anyone hungry this morning? Okay, excellent. I'm going to tell you, I am pumped. I am pumped. I am pumped. I sound more English this morning, praise God. It's good. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're here by your presence. I thank you that we can call you Father God. You've given us the ability because we are your children to call you Father. Father, have your way this morning. Right throughout the preaching of this word, I pray that Holy Spirit, you'd just enlarge it and just increase our capacity to to hear your word and to, to have it change us internally, that it changes our outward world as we step out in faith, trusting you to open up a way of us releasing the kingdom of God in and through us into our world. You never intended that the gifts that you give us to be solely for our own personal use, that they are all about us, but it's all about, Lord God, taking you to our community, to our family and friends to see life transformation occur. Father, there's so many things that you do that blow our minds. This morning, I pray you blow our minds some more. Expand our understanding, expand our experience of who you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like yeah, two syllables. Um, <clears throat> Jane and I uh, like bounce stuff off of each other this morning. Well, not this morning, this week, sorry. Um, not from the point of view of collusion together or, or partnering together, say, well, if you say this, I'll say that and stuff like that. What we did was to come together and say, this is what God's saying to us. And we found that there was so much similarity between what God was saying to Jane and what God was saying to, to myself this week that we almost feel like it's been a tag team message this morning through like what Jane's communion message has been and what my message is about to be. So my, uh, the, the title of my message this morning is, Are There Any Believers Here Today? Well, we'll soon find out. Are there any believers here this morning? Are there any believers here this morning? So, uh, uh, unbelieving believers, there might be. I'll, be. I'll be honest with you, that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm an unbelieving believer on, on so many occasions, you know. But I, I, I read in God's Word where God did some amazing things that blew the experience of people who were walking in the world at that time away. God did some strange things, some bizarre things in the world. And it changed things. Just as an example, like God spoke and the world was created. I mean, I don't know, that's not just like the big be all and end all of it all. You know, like you could finish a sermon there, and God spoke and that's it, you know. But there's so much more. God released 10 plagues upon Egypt. Why? I think we all know that the reason. God parted the Red Sea and Israel walked through on dry ground. I don't know about you, but I've been down to the beach. When a wave comes in and then it goes out, there's still wet sand. It's not dry. But people of Israel went across on dry ground, it says. God led his people by a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, can you imagine this? There's this massive, like, you know, you see on TV tornadoes, and there's like, some really big tornadoes that you can see on TV, and they are massive, you know, and they, they just command your attention. I, I, I tend to think that that's what Jesus, you know, like the, the presence of God was by this pillar of cloud and, and the pillar of fire by night. It's this massive, it got your attention. It was a sign that there's some, a, a group of people here that have got the divine protection and the divine presence of a God who just blows people's experience of who he is away. There's you know, this, this moment in time where uh, Elijah walks a, across the Jordan River and it's because God stopped the flow of the river. Then Elisha does the same trick and the flow of the Jordan River stops again so that Elisha can go across on dry ground. 
We, 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 we read about Daniel and his mates who are uh, thrown into a furnace, uh, a fire that's burning 10 times hotter than it's ever burnt before. And the only thing that gets burnt off of them is the ropes holding them their, their hands tied that, that are binding them. They don't even come out with a smell of smoke on them. What's more important is there was someone else walking in there that was never put in the fire. Then you see like Daniel being thrown into this, this pit of, of like a massive cave where these lions are. They're hungry lions. But God shut the mouths of the lions. Oh, they must have been full. Yeah, we'll tell that to the family of the accusers, the people that tried to bring Daniel down when they were thrown into the pit and they were absolutely pounced on as soon as they hit the air into the, 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 the cave. These were hungry lions, but God stopped the lions from eating Daniel and his mates. In the book of Daniel, again, we see that God created this hand to appear in midair and it starts writing on a wall. What's that about? God stopped the sun from moving forward. Not once, but twice. It's just amazing. I mean, the power involved in making that happen is beyond sometimes our own comprehension. I mean, how does he do that? It's God. God sent a whale to swallow Jonah, and he lived. Both the whale lived and, and Jonah lived. I mean, didn't get caught in his throat going down. Jesus walked on water. I've tried that, doesn't work. I sank. Jesus spoke to a storm and it stopped. Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. He didn't just say, come out of the tomb. Because I've got to tell you right now, I believe that every single person that had ever died was in a tomb at that point would have come out of the tomb because that was what God had said. He had to actually name that it was Lazarus who came out of the tomb. Jesus fed over 5,000 people and then 4,000 people with a couple of loaves and a bit of fish. Jesus healed incurable diseases. He cast out demons and silenced them so that they couldn't talk. Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus was himself raised from the dead. And then when he was raised from the, uh, from the dead, we also, like when Jesus died, that uh, there was all these dead people came out of their graves. It says godly men and women were then seen coming out of the tombs themselves and walking amongst the, the people there talking about the goodness of God. The fire of God no longer rested inside a tent or a temple. Now the fire of God rested on people with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter's shadow healed people. I actually believe that he, it wasn't his shadow that healed people because someone was overshadowing Peter. And I believe that it was the shadow of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Paul saw healing flow through pieces of cloth. God released Peter, Paul and Silas at various times from prison. Earthquakes happened and prison doors open up. John was taken by the Spirit, in the Spirit and shown heaven in Revelation. This is just a couple of examples of where the experience of what God can do Blows our minds. <clears throat> it's, it, I mean, we think that we've got God figured out. I'm not even close. I'm not even on the same page a lot of the time. I feel like I'm playing catch up all the time with what God's doing. Are there any believers here this morning? You see, we hear this stuff, <clears throat> and quite often, if we're really honest, we'll say, well, that was really, we just read about that in the Bible. We'd place no expectation upon ourselves to replicate 
or to even do something new that God wants to do through us. We let ourselves off the hook because we know us. Well, you don't know what has happened to me this week. You, know, you don't know how I, I, I just really got upset with someone and stuff. Like, you know, raise someone from the dead, David Hogan. No, I'm not going to raise him from the dead. <laughs> Even then, God does something amazing in a person's life. I can't explain all this. All I know is that I'm catching a glimpse of something and I'm in hot pursuit. I feel like a man who's been ruined. I feel like God's messed with me in such a way now that I've got no longer any excuse to sit and maintain the status quo of powerlessness in my own life while people are crying out for a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. They are needing miracles in their lives. On that, t- that table there, because it was over there a moment ago, <laughs> that table there has got prayer requests on it of incurable diseases that people are needing breakthrough in. I look at those every single day and I pray over them, believing for a breakthrough. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm in pursuit. One of the, the most full meetings that we should have as a church is our prayer meeting. Because a prayer meeting says that we are reliant upon the person of God to come through for us. Yet three people show up. I understand people work. You've got to stuff that. No problem. Okay? Cool. But you could let me know that you're praying at home. Because I can give you some requests. I need you to, to pray for this. You can come and find these here. Write it down in your notebook and say, I'm going to pray for this. Until I see a breakthrough in this circumstance. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. At the end of this, this month, I think it's on the 31st of August, we've got a, a corporate prayer meeting. We are again going to be pressing into God for everything that we've got. From 7.30 to 8.30. On a Wednesday evening, the 31st of August, we've got our prayer meeting coming up. We've got a, a night of revival planned for September with Steve McCracken and Sally McCracken. Night of Revival. I've already got churches telling me that they're going to come. I tell you, if you're not here early, you're going to miss out on a seat. And you'll be sitting on the floor, but that's fine. I'll find a cushion for you. We've got a leaders meeting on the Saturday morning. I'm going to throw it open now. If you want to be a part of that leaders meeting, because you just want to be in the presence of God, come. But let us know you're coming, because we're going to be catering for it. I've got churches already saying that they're going to be bringing their leadership teams. Come to the VIP huddle in the morning. VIP stands for vision, information, and prayer. It's my VIP huddle. That's what we talk about when it's just the presence of God is powerful. Are there any believers here this morning? Get back on track, Gary. John chapter 6, verses 23 to 29. Here's one I had prepared earlier. So the next day, The crowd that stayed on the far shore saw the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to cross to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. See, he doesn't answer that question here. Okay. Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth, you, you, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your, t- your energy seeking the eternal life that the, God, uh, sorry, the, the Son of Man can give you. The, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work, everyone say work. This is the only work that God wants you from you. Believe in the one that he sent. Are there any believers in the house this morning? See, these people weren't following Jesus because of who he was. 
See, the, 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 to understand the miracle of the bread and the fish was to understand, not in the provision that was coming there, but that Jesus was revealing himself by the works that he was doing and showing them that he's the son of God. That is the, that is the, the meaning of that, that miracle. That's to understand what God was doing in that moment. But they weren't following because of who he was. They were following him because of what he could do. They were hungry and they needed a feed. See, the miraculous provision of fish and bread was a neon sign. It was writing in the sky. It was a newspaper headline that Jesus, the Son of God, was made flesh. And that he was there at that time. See, there's nothing wrong with following Jesus because of what he can do for you. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to suggest to you that there's a greater level that God wants us to go to. And that's that we follow him because of who he is. And we actually believe in who he is. Not what he can do. What he can do will then flow even greater out of who he is. See, Jesus is Lord. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. People say to you, you know, well, you don't want to get too unbalanced in this Jesus thing. Unbalanced, well, the only thing about that is Jesus is Lord. That's balance. (laughs) Jesus is Lord. I said, Jesus is Lord. You've got a lack. No, Jesus is Lord. I'm sick. No, no, Jesus is Lord. I've got a cold. No, Jesus is Lord. I'm under demonic attack. No, Jesus is Lord. There's none greater than Jesus. Jesus is Lord over the physical and the spiritual. There is no demon, no sickness greater than Jesus. You see, if we really believe this stuff, when, when sickness comes, and, and believe me, I've been doing this, when we're finding that we've got opposition in our world and, and that we're fighting against things that should not be, we shouldn't be fighting against, Jesus is Lord. It's where we get this this deep down conviction inside that it doesn't matter what's happening in and around the world. It doesn't matter what's happening to me and to you. Jesus is Lord. It's where something might come against us and we suddenly take the sword of the Spirit, we've got the shield of faith, say, come on, bring it on. Come on, bring it on. Bring it on. Jesus is Lord. And he's given me his sword of the spirit. And I've got his shield of faith. And my mind is covered with the, the, the helmet of salvation. And the belt of truth around my waist. I've got the gospel of peace upon my feet. And I'm praying in the spirit. Come on. Jesus is Lord. Finances aren't good. No, Jesus is Lord. I command the release of finance. Jesus is Lord. When we follow Jesus for who he is, we access a level where we are no longer fed by Jesus as a part of the crowd. Now we enter a realm of living where we distribute what God puts in our hands. This is where we start to go to a whole new level. It's when the the need of the 5,000 first became apparent, okay? Jesus revealed to his disciples another realm of living, okay? Another realm of faith that he was encouraging them to live in. Because we read in Matthew uh, verses, uh, chapter 14, verses 15 to 16, it actually says this uh, about what Philip, he says to Philip. He says, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a really remote place and it's getting really late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But then he says to them, he turns to them, he says, that's not necessary. You feed them. 5,000 guys alone. I don't know about you, but I've got a good healthy appetite. I could eat a horse. Maybe not, but you get the picture. I always go for the double whopper, not the, not the little Nancy boy cheeseburger thing. Like, come on. I'm a meat eater. <laughs> so Jesus has shown to these, these, his disciples 
There's another realm here that I'm wanting you to start to walk in. Jesus' intention was always that we step into the realm of believing, of faith, where we feed the people and we meet the need. We see things happening in our community. We see someone in a a wheelchair. That's an invitation by the Holy Spirit for you to come into that moment and to, to see and to pray for that person to come out of that wheelchair. I know I'm challenging people this morning. I can tell you. You see, well, what, 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 what would the person think? See, that operates out of a fear of man. If God has told you that you need to go and lay hands on that person, what are you going to do? It's like David Hogan said this morning, I've, I've hit the don't give a flip switch. Don't care anymore what people think. See, in Matthew chapter 8 and Mark, verse four, Mark chapter 4, there's the story of Jesus rebuking the storm. Jesus is in the boat. He's asleep. The storm hits this boat. Disciples, oh. <laughs> Dance on the spot, thinking, oh. Jesus gets woken up, rebukes the storm, says, guys, come on. Where's your faith? You could have done this. That's the implication. That's the implication. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 17, goes up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, comes back down. And there's this tension between the disciples and a group of people, in particular a dad who's brought his son, his demon-possessed son, to his disciples, to Jesus' disciples, to get delivered of this demon because this demon continues to, to throw this son, this boy to the ground into a fire or tries to drown him in, in some water. And the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus says, guys, you've got such little faith. Come on. Come on. You could do this. And that's what he says. You could do this. See, are there any believers in the house this morning? See, see, there's an area where we've got mental assent. We, we say, yeah, I believe, but there's no meaningful activity that follows up the mental assent. I love yous. This is challenging for me. I'm speaking to myself. I'm not saying, pointing all the finger out there and saying, you guys need to do. I'm saying to me, I've got to step up. I've got to step up. This is a message for me. If there was mirrors in front of me, I would take this full on and say, this is a challenge for me too. I am not saying that this is all about what you've got to do. I'm saying this is what we've got to do. We've got to give people in our world a demonstration of the power of God. This is my my scripture that I was reading this morning. Because I need to, to see this become a reality in my life. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it's, it's uh, roughly verses 2 to, to about verse 5. It says, for I, this is Paul speaking. Okay, the Apostle Paul, he says, For I have decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, because Jesus is Lord, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I've got to tell you, that's probably where I'm at. I'm, I'm okay with that, but that part so far. Okay, um, that's, that's me to a T. So then he says, And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I believe that whenever we speak, whenever I speak, there must be a demonstration of the power of God. I believe that there must be some outward working of the inner working of the Spirit of God. There must be some area of my life that brings transformation into my world. Because whatever transforms me, I have the power to to bring transformation from. The revelation that God gives to me in the secret place, God wants me to bring out into the open. John chapter 6, just earlier in the, uh, the piece, 
verses 1 to about 15. It's, it's the, the, the feeding of the 5,000. And we, we see the story that, you know, Jesus says to his disciples, where can, we, uh, where can we buy bread to feed these people, you know? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this, uh, this huge crowd, he says? You know, I, I've seen like five loaves on a, on a shelf in the shops. And I've seen some fish in the fish, the seafood bit of the deli section of coals, stuff like that. That's not going to feed 5,000. So what does Jesus do? He says, well, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. And they all sat down on the grassy slopes. There was about 5,000 numbers in men alone. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God. See, whatever we've got in our hands, whatever we've got, we give thanks for, God can increase. If we give thanks for what we've got, God will give the increase. Some of us, we're not thankful for what we got. We want more. I want to tell you right now, it's a distraction. It, it's, it's, it's the spirit of the world of materialism trying to get more and more and more. God wants us to say, I'm so thankful for what I've got. I'm content with what I've got. As Paul said, I, I learned to live in contentment and with, an, uh, with a lack. But he goes on, he says, you know, um, he took the loaves, gave thanks for it, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And catch this. And they all ate as much as they wanted. It wasn't as much as they needed. As much as they wanted. In every single instance where it's spoken of the 5,000, feeding of the 5,000, and the feeding of the 4,000, in all four Gospels, okay, in all four Gospels, like sometimes you'll get uh, a story is told in Mark, but it's a little bit different in Luke because it's seen from a different perspective. It's the same account, but it sounds a little bit different because a different person is telling the story. Every single person in these Gospels says this, they all ate as much as they wanted. In all cases of the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, they all ate as much as they wanted. What a generous God we've got. What a good God we've got. In fact, there was so much left over that they, had, they took 12 basket loads up for the 5,000. I think it was about seven basket loads for the 4,000. What a generous God that we have. See, unlike the people of Israel when they're going through the wilderness, they went out to collect their manna in the morning. They took as much as each family needed. But you see, there's this area now where they're coming into the new covenant. They're coming into the latter outpouring of what grace is all about. Grace is super abundant. doesn't matter what, what goes on. It's, there's this um, an abundance of where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We're into the new covenant. Jesus is demonstrating that there's, there's as much of this and much, as much of him as we want. My question to us is how much of God do we want? How much of God do we want? See, I believe that the miracle of Jesus Feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000 is something that should create within each of us a desire of more for who God is and what God can do through us. Jesus wants us to believe in him so that we can do the works, so that we can do the works, everyone say works, that he did and even greater. John chapter 6 verses 28 and 29 says, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus said to them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he sent. See, this is the same word. The work, word works is the same word that Jesus used when he was talking to his disciples in John chapter 14. Verses 9 to 14, it says this. Jesus replied, I, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. My father, But my Father who lives in me does his work 
Same word, same Greek word, through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name. As much as we want. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. What work did Jesus do? He preached the kingdom of God. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He opened blind eyes and deaf ears. The lame began to walk and he cast out demons. He established the kingdom of God here on earth. That was what Jesus did. That was his work. His work was to destroy the works of the devil. For this reason has the Son of God been made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. He released the kingdom of God here on earth. It would have been great to have been in that crowd of 5,000 people and then the later the 4,000 people and getting fed the bread and the fish. Absolutely great. Yes, but God wants us to enjoy his provision. However, he also wants us to release his supply to others who are hungry and thirsty and sick and in poverty. God created us to do good works. That word works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 in the New King James Version says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Same word exactly. I said to you the last time I spoke, that the the disciples' calling and their commission is our calling and our commission. The same things that Jesus uh, commissioned his disciples to do are the same things that Jesus is commissioning us to do here on this earth. This is where it becomes a challenge. This is where we need to start to say, am I an unbelieving believer? See, a lot of the times, my prayer has been of late, Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. It's great to have a glory time in church on Sunday. I think it's absolutely vital we do that. It's where we can come, we can get inspired, we can get empowered, we can get you know, filled up with, with the Holy Spirit, we can get you know, everything that we need for, for living life out there. But we've got to go out there and make a difference. We've got to make a difference. I believe that Jesus is today giving us the same invitation. I believe that he's opening up what he does in the world as an invitation to us to pursue him, to pursue him, to follow him. That the miraculous things that Jesus did in his day were the very things that caused people to follow him so that they could discover who he was. I believe it was bait. He was using it as bait to catch people so that they would strike upon the hook that he could draw them in. That's a poor analogy, but you understand what I'm saying. He's using it as bait. Well, I've got to tell you, church, this morning, I've taken the bait. I've taken the bait. I've latched on. And though I'm coming fighting at times, like a fish making a run away from God because it frightens me to think of the power that he makes available to us. I mean, the disciples, they caught it and they weren't frightened. They'd say, Jesus, can we call down fire on this place? They just don't like like you. And Jesus said, whoa, guys, he's up. Back off. It's not the same spirit. See, I've latched onto what God is doing around the world. I am feeding where God is leading. I love Bible reading plans. I think they're, in, they're, they're incredibly powerful for getting us into the Word on a regular basis. But I think that it's absolutely ludicrous for us to follow a, a yearly reading plan, okay, at the expense of following where Jesus is leading us in the Word. 
if Jesus is talking to us as a church about his presence and about performing miraculous things, signs and wonders, working healing, deliverance, casting out demons, then that's where we need to be feeding. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Can I encourage you that as you're reading the Bible, that you don't do it silently, that you do it to yourself like you're reading it to yourself. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God, hearing a rhema word of God. Because we start to understand that then those things that God was doing in his word, he's wanting us to replicate and to do even funny and stranger things today. I'm, I'm reading books by people, authors, who are actually doing this stuff, not talking about this stuff. Difference, big difference. I'm, I'm watching testimonies on YouTube. David Hogan as an instance. He, he tells the story, it just amazed me, about God's provision. Okay? He, he, I understand that he operates pr- primarily in Mexico area, that, that sort of area, or, or arena in the world. And he had this pastor who's a part of his team who uh, got into debt. And uh, it was like not a healthy debt at all. Um, and uh, like he, he came to, to, to David Hogan. He said, listen, I can't pay this. Uh, I just need some real help. And I'm just asking for your help. And, and David Hogan said, listen, mate, I don't, I don't believe uh, in, in what's happening in your world right now. You are actually spending more than your, your income is coming. You are, you're living unwisely and you're not living according to God's precepts and principles. Uh, and you need to change the way that you are doing life by spending more than you actually income is coming in. He says, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm on this side, you're on that side. You need to make a change. But I'll help you on this occasion. So what he did, he got, got all his elders together. They said, look, we're going to give an offering to God, but it's going to go to this pastor here to help him to get out of debt because it was serious debt. So they did that. They gave him the money. A few months later, <clears throat> he see, sees this pastor of his walking around just down. His, his countenance has fallen. He's just in the dumps. And he says, what's wrong with you? He says, uh, Pastor David, I'm sorry, but I've, I've got myself into debt and it's worse than the last time. He says, if I don't pay these people, they're going to take everything I own and they will take my family as well to make sure the debt gets paid off. He says, I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you a penny. I'm not going to give you a dime. He says, this time God's going to have to get you out of this. What we will do for 14 days, we will pray and fast, but I'm not giving you a red cent. You are. God's going to have to come through for you. Seven days into this prayer and fasting, <clears throat> David Hogan gets a phone call from this pastor. He says, you've got to come around right now. He said, I'm not coming around right now. I've got other things to do. I've got, I've got plans. I've got a calendar. I mean, you can see how he was, so I'm not doing that. He says, no, you, you need to come here now. This is something that you need to see. He says, all right. So he grabs a couple of his elders, goes around to this place, walks in the door. The guy, the pastor, closes up the whole house. Shutters down, blinds down, closed door, locked door. David Hogan thinks, I've walked into a trap. He says, what on earth is going on here? He says, hang on a minute. This pastor goes off to another room, comes back with a box. And he says to the, David Hogan, he says, open the box. He says, I'm not opening the box. You open the box. <laughs> he says, no, open the box. So he lifts off the box with it, full of cash. He says, what did you do? You robbed a bank. You idiot, what have you done? He says, no. He says, my wife was out the other day, and she was just sweeping up the front garden, because they don't have lawns like we have. They just got dirt. So they just sweep off the, the, the stuff so there's no snakes or insects come in the house. She's got, you know, sweeping all these leaves into the middle of the, the lawn, okay, in, in the middle of the, the front garden there. She comes into the house to grab a palm leaf because that's like the dustpan part of it to sweep that in. She goes out there and instead of the leaves, there's just a pile of cash. God's changed the leaves into cash. She throws this palm leaf on the cash. She runs inside, gets this pastor. And she, he comes out, has a look. They go back inside, get a box, put all this money in the box. It's only a little bit full. They go back inside, close all the door, and they take the lid off, back off the, the box again. It's full of cash. And they go and they, they see the people that they need to pay their debt off to. How much was left over? Nothing. It was the exact amount that they needed to get out of debt. 
What's our first reaction to a, st- a testimony? Oh, I don't believe that. That's, inc- that's unbelievable. See, I'm watching this testimony. My head's going... Because deep down in my heart, I'm saying, that's unbelievable. I don't believe that. That's, uh, but my spirit is saying, yes, yes, God can do that. Yes, I want to see that. At some point, there's got to be a, a coming together. At some point, there's got to come a, a point where our internal deep set world says, God can do that. And my head starts going like this. Up and down instead of side to side saying, no, 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 I don't believe that. What's our first reaction? What would our first reaction be? Sweep, I believe. I, 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 I suggest there's going to be some clean gardens around Mount Barker and the Adelaide Hills. Praying fast. Yeah, they do. They seek God. See, I believe God wants to do things through us that are are destined to go worldwide. I believe God wants to do things through us that are destined to go worldwide. What God does in you today can go worldwide. Because of social media, because of emails, because of, of whatever. I mean, the world is such a small place today. But I believe that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that you shall, be, you shall receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And we often think that, okay, that means that we've got to take the gospel to those places. We've got to go there and, and just do stuff. I actually think that whatever God does to us in Mount Barker can actually hit the world. That we see an amazing healing. We see God break through in some area. We see a deliverance of some kind. We see God manifest his presence in some way, shape or form that it goes viral. Are there any believers in the house this morning? I have no answers for this. All I'm doing is sharing my heart this morning. I haven't got a a, a three-point sermon on, okay, if you do this, then do this, then do this, this is the result. All I know is I just need God. That's that's the main point of this thing. I've got to have God. And I've got to have more of him than I've got him right now. I've got to have like a, a greater hunger, a greater thirst to see those things. I have got to feed where God is leading me. Where is God leading you? What is God saying to you in this season? Where are you feeding What voices are you allowing to come in to speak into your your heart and into your world that is actually crippling you from actually seeing what God is wanting to do? You've got to cut off those voices. Avoid the distractions. And I I know that this can sound like law and and stuff like that, but if you were to, to, to balance and to weigh up how much time you spent on social media and how much time you spent in prayer and fasting, what would the difference be? Let's stand. I'm going to leave it there. I had so much. Way too much, as usual. I'm going to make a comparison. There are people of the Christian faith who are giving their lives for their faith worldwide right now. Right now. They are being martyred for their faith. I pray we never have that. 
But we must do, to be honest. Because that verse out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the word witness, to be, receive power to be my witness, that word witness in the Greek is, is the word martyr. We've got to die to ourselves and take our faith seriously. We've got to die to the things that draw us away from who God is and what he wants to do. Not because we have to, because we get to. Because we've seen some aspect of who he is has just gripped us. It's just gripped us. Why, why did David dance around in his undies? Because he saw the king. He saw his God. Why did Moses go into the tabernacle and speak face to face as one would speak with a friend? He didn't have to go into that place. But there was someone who was there. It was his friend. But I love what Joshua did. See, when, when Moses went back to the camp, Joshua stayed. Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. And, and it says in Exodus 33 that you know, that's where Joshua was. He, he loved to be in that, that environment. Is it any wonder why? That God chose Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. Because he was a man who, who loved the presence of God. And my encouragement to you, my exhortation to you, Come into his presence. Come into his presence. Fall in love with Jesus again. Set aside distractions. Set aside the things that will break your focus upon who God is. And pursue him. I don't know about you. But if I was in the feeding of the 5,000, I'd be very tempted to take one of those pieces of bread and take it home with me because it wasn't going to run out. Because I'd want to see more and more of the miraculous that he does. I want to remind myself at the time that he did a miracle in my life. I believe we need to talk about, I might do this next week, about the power of a testimony. The woman with the issue of blood, she was actually following what she saw other people do. She, it gave her permission to reach in and to do the same. That's next week. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. This, you know, this, this week I just, I, I felt God speak to me again out of, out of Romans chapter 8. where it says that we can come and call him Abba Father. And it broke me again. It gives me the right to call him Father. Father, Father, Daddy. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. You're just so generous. You're so abundant. You're so good to us. I pray, Father, that we take the bait. That you can use us as bait to bring people into the kingdom. Would you rest upon your people this morning, empowering them, When we go out into the world, people would see that there is genuinely something different about us. And just like they said of your disciples, they could see that these people had been with Jesus. Not that we can lord it over people, but we can genuinely, compassionately love the people around about us. Help us, Lord God, to be channels of your blessing. Help us to do for others what you're doing for us. 
I thank you for your blessing upon your people. I bless them. I encourage them. This morning, maybe, while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I don't know everybody here that we've got some, some, some fantastic guests here today. But I can't let this opportunity go and say, look, you may have never given your heart to Jesus, but this morning you feel like you need to do that. I've spoken about God in a way that you maybe have never understood how God is, who He is. But this morning you say, I, I want to experience God, maybe for the first time. You want to open up your life to letting Him lead you and guide you this morning. Is there anyone here for the first time? You never prayed and asked God to be a, a Lord of your life. Is there anyone here this morning, you, you feel like you need to do that? Anyone here? Just put your hand up nice and tall and I'll see it and I'll, we'll pray together as a church with you. Is there anyone here this morning? Maybe there's people here. You're saying to yourself, I want this. I don't know how to get it, but I want it. Maybe I don't even know what I'm asking for, but I'm asking for it. Is there people here this morning? You're saying, God, I want more of this. I want this. I want this in my life. I want you to put your hand up and we're going to pray together. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people today. And I pray that you turn the temperature up. I pray that you grant them their heart's desire. But also give them the boldness and the courage to say no to some things that are going to make room for what you want to do. Holy Spirit, come. Fill your people this morning. Fill them, Lord God, with a greater sense of wonder and awe at who you are. Fill them, Lord God, with your Holy Ghost. Father, in the name of Jesus, fill them afresh, Lord God. Fill them afresh, Lord God, with a fresh love, a fresh vibrancy, a fresh passion for you, Lord God, this morning. Fill them, Lord God, to overflowing. See dramatic change in every area of their lives, Lord God. To see them being uh, used by you to, to win thousands of people to your kingdom, Lord God. See them to, to release the miraculous and the signs and the wonders, to, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover instantly, Lord, in the name of Jesus. See people getting out of wheelchairs. See people getting up off of hospital beds. Seeing cancer completely eradicated from people's lives in the name of Jesus. See relationships restored. Seeing kids come back to God. Seeing parents come back to God. Father, bless your people this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus.